Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. We have been discussing cryptocurrencies in a couple of our recent episodes, and I was thinking about them the other day. One thing that came to mind is that you can buy and sell them at any time of the day, day or night, weekday or weekend, which is quite different than for most asset classes. And this got me thinking about financial innovation in general, which is today's topic. Innovation is critical to the growth of our economy. When we think of innovation, we often think of technology. I mean, how much has computers or smartphones changed our lives in recent years? And if you think about it, it's happening so fast, we're used to it at this point and adapt as new things are introduced. But innovation happens in many different areas. And one of those is finance, which is what we wanted to go over today. So whenever I think of the word financial innovation, it brings to mind a lot of things, but I always go all the way back to the 1980s when leveraged buyouts became popular. And at the time, it was a whole new way to acquire a company, essentially using a lot of debt for the purchase. And this was a great tool for buying these companies without using much capital. And it seemed like a great idea until it wasn't. So maybe a topic for another day, but today we'll touch on some examples of innovation in the past and then spend more time on some more recent innovations. So the first stop is just what investments are available to all of us. And the first word I can think about is stockbroker. So growing up, that's what I wanted to be, a stockbroker, which is essentially what advisors or financial planners were called back then. The reason for it being, if you wanted to buy a stock, you needed a broker to do it. You couldn't open an online account or buy it on your phone. We actually had professionals who brokered those stocks. And these were all individual stocks being purchased. The idea of hiring a professional money manager through a mutual fund was an innovation. It was a one-stop shop to provide diversification and professional management. Mutual funds or collective investments started in the 1920s, right before the Great Depression. It took a bit for them to gain momentum again, but they did offer some new regulations, and that came about in the early 1940s. So the next big innovation in this area came about in the 1970s, and that was the invention of the index with an actual index fund open to retail investors coming in the mid-70s. We got ETFs or exchange-traded funds in the 1990s, which are collective investments similar to a mutual fund, but that can be traded throughout the day. So basically, we had stocks, mutual funds, index funds, and ETFs as really the mainstream options for investing in the market. It is interesting when looking at these options that each kind of had their day in the sun, if you will. And in 2020, all of them are still used. Some still say individual stocks are the only way to go. Some think the exposure and stock-like trading of ETFs are the best, but interesting nonetheless how things have changed over time. So the next area of innovation has been the ability to make investment in things without actually investing in it. And that may sound weird, but I would put things like swaps and options into this bucket. I would also throw CDOs or collateralized debt obligations into that bucket as well. These may sound familiar. They were one of the reasons we had the housing bubble burst. The best explanation I've heard is from the movie The Big Short and explained elegantly by actress Selena Gomez and father of behavioral finance, Richard Thaler. Well worth a search on Google, but basically a Selena Gomez playing blackjack, then other people betting on Selena to win or lose, and then other people betting on other people betting on Selena's hand, and so on and so forth. A bunch of side bets, really with odds that are not much, much higher than what Selena originally bet. So good example. I love that clip as well. And just to tie it back to the actual housing market, 
the basic idea is let's say you had 50 millions of mortgage loans, which they mentioned in the movie, there would essentially be about a billion dollars bet on just those 50 millions of loans. So again, great movie. They did a great job explaining some of these, but kind of back to the idea of investing in things or betting on things with, without actually betting on them. So let's fast forward to more modern times. One area I want to get back to is the access to trading. Shane mentioned that you can trade crypto 24-7. Is this good or bad? Is it a good that you can buy stocks through an app with a click of a button? That anyone over 18 can open a brokerage account and in a lot of cases have the ability to use options or a margin account, for example? Interesting topic, Joe. And the whole idea of access is, is maybe a good thing, but probably not at the same time. I thought about when online brokerages started with basically zero cost trading, most people thought it was amazing because free is a good thing, right? And I would say in some cases it is, but this does decrease the cost of access to investing. And it also takes away an obstacle to frequent trading. Having to pay 10, 20 or $50 a trade may have influenced investors to take a longer term approach and thus trade less, which is as we mentioned in past episode, what we recommend. We live in a world where having to wait for anything seems like a waste of time, and trading has innovated in order to meet that. Another area that has the ability to access certain things that you weren't able to in the past, private companies, peer-to-peer -peer lending, alternative investments. The idea of crowdfunding is an example of this. You can gain access to private companies through companies like Seedvest or Funders Club, invest in lending through a company like Lending Club, access to real estate through various platforms. And this is another great example of innovation. A lot of these used to be parts of the market where only high net worth investors could access. I just saw a similar platform for investing in artwork. So all those platforms allow you to invest in much smaller increments, which give you access, and in a lot of cases help you diversify. So instead of buying a rental property, which would include lots and lots of working capital, you can purchase an ownership stake in rental properties and essentially get a portfolio of properties. We discussed SPACs in a past episode, which could fall under this idea as well. These SPACs can get you access to private companies, but comes with its own nuances as discussed in that episode. And that is a good point, Joe. Innovation seems like a great idea. More options. People love having options. But all of these have their shortcomings as well. SPACs can get you access to private companies, but they failed during the 1970s because they were abused. When people refer to them as blank check companies, it's because they do basically whatever they want with the money. I recently saw a SPAC by another SPAC, backed by the same company, which seems a little bit fishy, but just the general construct of the SPACs, they tend to have uh, potential consequences that maybe aren't the best for the investor. And lastly, for financial innovation, let's open Pandora's box and discuss NFTs or non-fungible tokens. We mentioned these during our episode on cryptocurrencies, but the buzz has been increasing ever since. This is another topic that is difficult to understand, but we wanted to shed some light on it. So let's shed just a little bit of light on the subject. So let's break down NFT. Fungibility basically means the ability for something to be easily exchanged. A dollar bill is fungible easily exchanged and is worth a dollar. A three-bedroom apartment on South Beach would be non-fungible as it is not as easily exchanged. So an NFT is data stored on the blockchain, which we have discussed previously, that says the owner of it owns a digital file. NFTs represent photos, videos, art. The NFT market exploded in 2020, although it started all the way back in 2012. So just a couple of highlights of some of these NFTs. The first one is Nike created something called Crypto Kicks. 
that used NFTs to give owners of shoes digital proof of ownership. The same firm that created that also created NBA Top Shot, which for a while there was very, very popular and sold NFTs of NBA highlights. Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter and Square, sold an NFT of his first tweet for about two and a half million dollars. And auction house Christie's sold a piece of artwork for $69.3 million from American digital artist named Beeple. Beeple. Hmm. Interesting times. Let's just pause and let that sink in for a moment. It's hard for me to imagine that deals of this size are being done on something that has come about so recently and that you can't physically hold. Nonetheless, it is a type of financial innovation and illustrates how things can evolve. So to recap today's episode, innovation has been a buzzword for a while and the financial industry has kept up with this. The move from stockbrokers to mutual funds to options and crowdfunding has been an interesting one. Recently, the resurgence, in a lot of cases, of crypto and NFTs have kept up with this process. These are interesting areas to look into and educate yourself on, but buyer beware, because innovation isn't always a good thing. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Relatable Finance. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at probwealth.com or check out our website, relatablefinancepodcast.com. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.